Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we are convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Colin Packer. favorite uh, services of the year. Uh, the trees are up, uh, the presents are under the trees, the lights are on the houses, and we have our candles ready to be lit tonight as well. Our, our Christmas Eve candlelight service is filled with anticipation. This time of year, as we await tomorrow, I remember being a child and just the feelings of tonight, just seeing all the kids out there tonight. I know how excited so many of you are, but tonight we gather to remind ourselves of the reason for those gifts, of the reasons why we gather each Christmas uh, as families and friends, as the reasons we gather in this room today, the birth of Jesus into the world. And so we enter this room with anticipation, with, with hope. And these are feelings that people have been able to connect with for generations and that in the future, no matter how long it takes for Christ to return, we'll still have those feelings of anticipation and hope. These are the feelings I experienced a couple of Sundays ago. Uh, I, I ran the Dallas Marathon this year after training all year long for this bucket list item I wanted to do. And I felt prepared after all the training I had done I, until I saw the weather forecast last week. And I noticed that Sunday of all days, the high was going to be around 75 degrees on race day, which is perfect weather for the spectators that are planning to be present. Not so much for the runners themselves. In fact, they say that, that the perfect marathon temperatures would be around 50 degrees or so. And, uh, and so it was quite hot uh, that day. And uh, I, I realized that all the training I had done had not prepared me for this distance in these temperatures. Because by about mile 11, everyone around me started their kind of walking and running. And it was hard psychologically for me to push past that when I saw others doing the same. And so I remember getting to mile 15, and there's an image that will forever be emblazoned in my mind that didn't qu look quite like what I'm about to show on the screen, but it was this uh, picture uh, in just a moment that I'll show you uh, of mile 11 and, and this feeling of what would come about. I'll, I'll show that to you in just a little bit. But my anticipation for mile 26 was high at that time, my hope, um, and ma maybe it was despair at the same time that I was feeling uh, but my go-to prayer on that, on that mile was right out of Psalm 13, verse 1. How long, O Lord? How long? The prayer was on my lips when I got to mile 15 around White Rock Lake. And uh, we made the turn off of Mockingbird. And I, I was able to see downtown. If you've ever been near White Rock Lake and looked at the skyline in downtown, it was that realization of I've got 11 more miles to somehow figure out how to go. It was, this is something of what that looked like to me as I was headed back. 
And I can't quite explain that feeling. It was anticipation. It was hope. It was also a little bit of despair, as I said. And these feelings, these longings, find their voice in Psalm 13, which is a psalm that we read last year actually on Good Friday. Uh, We had a service here on Good Friday, and also on Saturday we had a web service, and we had a song during that that we reflected on the words of Psalm 13, and I think they actually are a bit fitting tonight as we come together with anticipation, awaiting not just the birth of Jesus and the celebration of Christmas, but we're also awaiting a return, aren't we? A return of Jesus back into this world, and so Christmas every year is this chance to be reminded of the hope that we long for that we have anticipation for. And this, this is what Psalm 13 says in its entirety. It starts with those words I prayed last week, but listen to these words. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Some of you this Christmas know and understand what it's like to cry out like that to God. How long? Oh, Lord, will you allow this to go on? How, how long will it be until my prayers are finally answered, those longings for things to be made right in my family, in the situation at work that I'm facing, and all those struggles that so many of us face in our lives? But the psalm ends in a different note. It ends on a note of hope. In the midst of that wondering about where God is and how God will show up, there's this hope dangling out there on Psalm 13. And and that's where I want us to leave tonight. And no matter what you came in with this morning or this evening, no matter what prayers may be on your lips that haven't yet been answered fully by God, I want to encourage us tonight that we might leave with hope as we exit these doors a little bit later on this evening. Let's pray as we open uh, God's Word this this evening. God, we give thanks on this Christmas Eve for the story of the birth of Jesus. Thank you so much that you saw fit to not just stand far off and away in the heavens, but you were willing to come close to us on earth to to, to wear flesh and blood and to show your love for us in the person of Jesus who lived a perfect and sinless life. But we thank you for that manger so many years ago that held his crying uh, first breaths. Uh, For Mary and Joseph that you entrusted this child too, and for the great things that you promised he would do that he did accomplish. So God, in this season, as we come together with anticipation and hope, we ask and pray, God, that you would come, Lord Jesus, that you would return as you promised. And we wait with anticipation tonight. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I love the video that we showed earlier in our service. It, it, it actually has a change of perspective if you were looking closely, but some of you may have been kind of shuffling in and Hard to get settled with all the kids and all that. So I want to show just the first few uh, glimpses of this uh, uh, video that we showed earlier. So if we could roll that video right now. Pay attention uh, to God's perspective in this video. From high above us, God sees. From far beyond us, God hears. From his eternal distant home, God loves. 
He sees all people in all places. As, as, as that film is starting, I, that's how I used to picture how God would look down on us. Is that God was someplace else and God, just like when I'm up in an airplane and I look down the earth, all of these little people are, look, just look like ants and how could God possibly know the concerns of each and every one? But I, I always imagine God looking down on things from that perspective. After all, when Jesus leaves the earth in the book of Acts, he ascends into the sky and so there's some sense that he's going to be with the Father who's above us somewhere. And that got me thinking about those prayers that we pray. Prayers like, how long, O Lord? Did you hear my prayer? Did you see any of this? Sometimes we catch ourselves even looking up to the heavens ourselves wondering if maybe God hears or not. And that got me thinking about lots of moments throughout history that God had to have seen what happened and yet there were prayers, cries going on all of that time of where are you God? How long are you going to allow this to go on? Whether those were private moments within families or with individuals or those are national moments on global scenes. Earlier this year in August, there was a tragedy that occurred in a Walmart in El Paso. And I got to thinking about that. I actually got the chance to be there not too long ago and pray for those who had been victims of that tragedy. A father of the youngest victim that was there. It was in this parking lot. This is the aerial view of that Walmart. And as I was thinking about what does God see in the midst of the challenges and the tragedies of our world, I imagine God looking down and seeing that scene. Or many of you remember back to August 29 of 2005, Hurricane Katrina hit land. Many of you remember the images that were there, maybe the Superdome or the, the breach that happened, all these waters pouring into these areas. I just wonder, what did God see and, and did God hear those prayers? All of us who were alive at the time remember September 11. Those images are emblazoned in our minds. This is actually a a view of what it might have looked like in terms of the smoke that was billowing on that day, this aerial view of what I imagine God might have seen, all of those prayers being offered up in that time, wondering, God, where are you and how long will it be until you act? We're here in Dallas, another scene that many go and visit here in our city, a scene of tragedy, November 22nd of 1963. There's Dealey Plaza and the JFK assassination point. Prayers and cries, some of you remember even in, this own, in, in a city as you were living at that time, where you were exactly. Where was God? How did God look down on these scenes? Or December 7, 1941, Pearl Harbor. Still today we have that memorial, but the USS Arizona. And thinking about all that happened and transpires in, 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 in confusing fashion to those who were on the ground, didn't know the full immensity of what was occurring. How did God look down? What did God see in the midst of that moment? July 3rd, 1863, the, the Battle of Gettysburg was in its final day. I'm imagining what God might have looked down on those uh, hills in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Seeing brother fighting against brother over the struggle and this fracture in our country. But then I go back to another moment. December 25th of 1 AD. All right, it may not be that date, right? But here's an aerial view, at least currently, of what Bethlehem looks like. And now there's a church that is over the place where supposedly Jesus might have been born. 
But as I think about that video, I got to thinking about all of these moments throughout history where prayers have been offered, where people have wondered, God, where are you in the midst of this world? Is this what God sees when we cry out to God? Does God hear us and then look down on us from above? You know, before the first Christmas, we're about to celebrate, uh, many have occurred since then. Before that first Christmas, there was a large gulf. There was a distance between God and His creation. And there were moments where God walks in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden with Adam. There are moments where He speaks through messengers, where He shows up in a burning bush, where they see His power and the Red Sea being parted, and all kinds of stories you've maybe heard growing up about this God who acted again and again. God sent messengers and prophets. God was there, His presence at the, in the Holy of Holies. But there was a distance between God and humanity. And, and then the prophet Isaiah steps up and he speaks and he gives a prophecy about a day that's going to come where that's going to change. This is in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 7, verse 14. Listen to this promise that will be fulfilled, that we celebrate the fulfillment in this Christmas holiday. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God says, look, there's going to be a sign. And if you can believe it, it's impossible to believe, isn't it? A virgin is going to conceive and a, a child is going to be born and he will be called Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? Emmanuel simply means God with us. Now think about a sign. That's a pretty good sign, a pretty clear sign. It's hard to mistake. A virgin is giving birth, this child named Emmanuel who will be born. The people of Israel awaited this sign. They waited with anticipation. They waited with hope. I wonder if maybe Psalm 13 was one of those prayers they uttered. How long, Lord, you've given us this promise. When will you finally show up like you promised you would? And finally in Matthew chapter 1 in Luke 2 that we read a moment ago, we read the fulfillment of that story. And so I want to read from the Gospel of Matthew. You've heard just a moment ago the Christmas story from Luke's Gospel. This is Matthew 1, verses 18 and following. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the fulfillment of God's promise that was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Jesus, who comes into the world in the form of a baby, this is a brand new moment in human history. A God who doesn't choose to stand far off, but a God who chooses to come near, to draw near, to take on flesh and blood. This is unlike so many of the other stories that other religions would tell you about gods who stand far off and might send messengers or messengers to messengers. This is a God who's willing to come in the flesh to live among us, to suffer beside us. This is what the Christmas story is all about, a God who's willing to get in the game with us, to get dirty with us, 
to be willing to experience what we experience and ultimately to take the suffering on our behalf. In Jesus, God's perspective changes. God gets down in the dirt with us. God submits himself to the same challenges that we face. And Christmas is our celebration of that decision. The moment when God changed his perspective. If you watch the rest of that video that we showed earlier, the the perspective changes soon after those scenes because there's all these aerial shots, but all of a sudden there's even a drone footage, right, of coming down and seeing people in the face. This is what God chose to do. God didn't stand far off looking down on us in these moments, but God was there. In fact, he was there with you in all of those difficult moments. In the moments maybe he seemed most absent, the Christmas story is a promise that God is close to those who are brokenhearted. He does not stand far off. God lived on the earth in the person of Jesus. Think about that. That's crazy, isn't it? And that changes the way we think about God's perspective of those events I mentioned earlier. Where was God when that battle of Gettysburg happened? He was was there on the battlefield. Because Christmas reminds us that God is not one who stands far off. He's a God who comes close. Where was God on December 7th of 1941? Well, He was there on the USS Arizona. He was there with those experience the loss of life. Christmas reminds us that God does not stand far off. God is with us. Where was God on November 22nd, 1963? And he was there in Dealey Plaza. Jesus is the one who weeps in the Gospels, and he's the one who weeps beside those who suffer in our own day. The same is true in El Paso. The same was true in Hurricane Katrina. God is not a God who stands far off. This God is close to those who are brokenhearted. This God understands what it's like to lose His only Son. This is the good news of Christmas. Is that this God is unlike all the other gods. He doesn't create the world, spin it into existence, and leave it to be. This is a God who stands close, who hears our cries, and who binds up the hearts of those who need peace in our own day, in our own age. Love always comes close. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus because you're convinced, like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Connect with us on Twitter. You can find and follow us there at Greenville Oaks. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.